Have you ever wondered if all the prophecies that need to be fulfilled before the return of Christ are already fulfilled? I have heard pastor after pastor tell that. Is that really true? Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio, and we're going to explore a few things about this. They say the rapture is imminent. Is that true? If all the prophecies that have to be fulfilled before the return of Christ have already been fulfilled, then maybe that would be true. Because if there's nothing left to be fulfilled, we're ready to go. Is the church really ready to go? I'm here to say, no, I don't think so. And I'm going to tell you why. The reason why is because there are many prophecies yet to be fulfilled. We are not there yet. That is for sure, in my opinion. Now, where do I get that idea? Daniel 11 and Daniel 12 reveal a whole lot that haven't yet been fulfilled. Here's how it's, it reads in the NLT. That's the New Living Translation put out by Tyndale. It's relatively new. When the authors of the NLT got together, there were 90 scholars that wanted to turn the Living Bible into something authoritative, not just a paraphrase. And so they came up with the NLT. And I have to say that it is my very favorite reading Bible. So I want to read to you Daniel 11 and 12, if you'll bear with me. But this will show you that there are many things yet to be fulfilled before the return of Christ. And there are many other scriptures, too, that I can show you. Maybe we'll address some of those, too. Daniel 11, verse 1. Now then, I will reveal the truth to you. And this is Daniel speaking to Darius, or Darius the Mede, king over Babylon. Three more Persian kings will reign to be succeeded by a fourth far richer than the others. He will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece. Now, uh, let's see, in the Hebrew, it's called Javan, J-A-V-A-N, instead of Greece. It's probably the Greek island collection. There are numerous islands in Greece. Verse 3, Then a mighty king will rise to power who will rule with great authority and accomplish everything he sets out to do. But at the height of his power, his kingdom will be broken apart and divided into four parts. It will not be ruled by the king's descendants, nor will the kingdom hold the authority it once had. For his empire will be uprooted and given to others. Verse 5, The king of the south will increase in power, but one of his own officials will become more powerful than he and rule will rule his kingdom with great strength. Verse 6, 
some years later, an alliance will be formed between the king of the south, or the north, and the king of the south. Now, you see that? Some years go by before the alliance between the king of the north and the king of the south. Years yet? I mean, we haven't seen any of this stuff happen yet. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance. But she will lose her influence over him, and so will her father. She will be abandoned along with her supporters. But when one of her relatives becomes king of the south, and see the king of the south isn't on board yet, He will raise an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. Wow, okay. When he returns to Egypt, he will carry back their idols with him, along with priceless articles of gold and silver. For some years after that, or afterward, he will leave the king of the north alone. Later, the king of the north Notice later, the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. Now, that's probably going to be Turkey or Russia. I'm thinking Turkey. However, the sons of the king of the north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. Then, in a rage, the king of the south will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. After the enemy is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will execute many, many thousands of his enemies. But his success will be short-lived. A few years later, The king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than before. Whoa. At that time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. Violent men among your own people. And this is is Daniel the Jew talking to Darius the Mede. So he's talking to the king of the Medes. Violent men among your own people will join with them in fulfillment of this vision, but they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march onward unopposed. Whoa! None will be able to stop him, and he will pause in the glorious land of Israel, intent on destroying it. Wow. So this is a Mede, more than likely, an Iranian. He will make plans to come with the might of his entire kingdom and will form an alliance with the king of the south. 
he will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom from within, but his plan will fail. After this, he will turn his attention to the coastland and conquer many cities. But a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence. What's insolence? Rebellion, let's say. And cause him to to actually retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortresses, but will stumble and fall and be seen no more. His successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. But after a brief reign, he will die, though not from anger or in battle. He'll probably have a heart attack and die or something like that. The next to come to power will be a despicable man who is not in line for royal succession. He will slip in when least expected and take over the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. Before him, great armies will be swept away, including a covenant prince. Now, in, in my view, a covenant prince would be someone like Daniel. It would be a Jew. Now, I could be wrong about that. With deceitful promises, he will make various alliances. He will become strong despite having only a handful of followers. Without warning, he will enter the richest areas of the land. Then he will distribute among his followers the plunder and wealth of the rich, something his predecessors had never done. He will plot the overthrow of strongholds, but this will last only for a short time. Then he will stir up his courage and raise a great army against the king of the south. The king of the south will go into battle with a mighty army, but to no avail, for there will be plots against him. His own household will cause his downfall. That's an important feature right there. His own household will cause his own downfall. Kind of reminds me of Jesus' own words that say that um, your enemies will be they of your own household. His army will be swept away and many will be killed. Seeking nothing but each other's harm, these kings will plot against each other at a conference table, attempting to deceive each other. But it will make no difference, for the end will come at the appointed time. You see, it's in the future. It isn't here yet. It's for an appointed time. So it's not even in the future of these kings, it's, and, and those haven't happened yet either. The king of the north will then return home with great riches. Now let me just pause right here for a second. Years ago, and this is way back in the late 60s and early 70s, I would listen to prophecy radio speakers say, that 
the United States of Europe is going to come into fruition and fight against the United States, and that's what World War III would be. And Russia would get involved, and so would China. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's consider something here. Islam is taking over Europe. So you can forget about the native Europeans that were born there and not these refugees, so-called, going into the countries. They are overpopulating everybody. And they're taking over the government. And Sharia law is going into force. And the parliaments of these countries, like Portugal, Spain, France, Italy, uh, Germany, Austria, all of these countries in Western Europe, and even in Eastern Europe, are being taken over by Shia. Shia Muslims. It's not the Sunni Muslims. They're already in and taking over the land adjacent to the south border or shoreline of the Mediterranean Sea, which would be all the northern tier of Africa. And who might that be? Well, uh, as far west as you can get would be Western Sahara, Mauritania, Morocco, Algeria, Mali, Niger, Libya, Tunisia, Egypt, Sudan, Ethiopia, Chad, and Somalia, and perhaps one or two others. The King of the North ruling Portugal, like I said, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Germany, Austria, Poland, Ukraine, Romania, um, and several others, including Bulgaria, Greece, and Turkey, probably. So the King of the South will be ruling over the Sunni Muslims, and the King of the North, the Shia or Shiite Muslims. They hate one another. The Shiites are more strict and more old school. And so they believe in Sharia law. The others, the Sunnis, are a lot less stringent. They still whack off people's hands for stealing a loaf of bread. They still run, run a, a truck over their child's, their, their little boy's hand or arm to punish him. They still lop off people's heads and they still make women uh, wear their burqas and all that. But they're much less stringent. And they also have dealings with the West. Ooh, the evil Satan. The big Satan. Well, let me tell you. We haven't seen anything yet compared to the way it's going to be. But to go on in verse 28, the king of the north will then return home with great riches. On the way, he will set himself against the people of the holy covenant, that's the Jews, doing much damage before continuing his journey. Then, at the appointed time, 
He will once again invade the south, but this time the result will be different. For warships from the western coastlands will scare him off, and he will withdraw and return home. But he will vent his anger against the people of the Holy Covenant and reward those who forsake the covenant. Now, who would forsake the covenant? Under pressure, some people will give in to the Shiites or die. Verse 31, this or his army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, and put a stop to the daily sacrifices and set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. In King James' language, this is called the abomination of desolation. But today, the sacrifices have not really started yet. The Jews have everything in place to build a temple and the altar and everything. The menorah is built, a big golden menorah, and it's encased today in a bulletproof glass um, round surround that goes all the way around the thing, and it's about probably, I'd say, 8 to 10 feet tall. Solid gold. Wow. His army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, and put a stop to the daily sacrifices, which haven't started yet. This proves yet further that we are not there yet. All the prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled before the return of Christ have not happened yet. He will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. But the people, excuse me, the people who know their God, now that's the Christians as well, will be strong and resist him. Wise leaders will give instruction to many but these teachers will die by fire and sword, or they will be jailed and robbed. During these persecutions, that's an interesting word to use there, little help will arise. You know, if we're to be raptured away from the troubles, where's the persecutions? Most Christians wishfully think that they're going to avoid all that. That's not what Jesus said. He said, some of you will be killed, martyred, for my name's sake. So let's get over this idea that we're going to get raptured out of here and avoid all the trouble. It's not going to happen, folks. During these persecutions, little help will arrive, and many who join themselves or join them will not be sincere. Some of them, some of the wise, will fall victim to persecution. Hello? Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. In this way, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end. You see, it's not there. We're not there yet. We are in the general time of the end, but not that close. We still have a ways to go. For the appointed time is still to come, he says here. 
And we're only in the middle of chapter 11 of Daniel. We still have to go all the way to the end of chapter 12. So here we go. Verse 36. The king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the name, or I'm sorry, the God of gods. That's Jehovah God, the creator. That's Jesus. He will succeed, but only until the time, until the time of wrath is completed. The he we're talking about is the king of the north. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. Now, why is there going to be a time of wrath? Whose wrath? God's wrath. That's who. He will destroy them that destroy the earth. He will kill all of his enemies. And who has the right to do that? Only God himself. And that's exactly who's going to do the wrath. It's his wrath. Until Only until the time of wrath is completed. Well, when is it completed? When all of his enemies are dead. For what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no respect for the gods, and this is talking about the king of the north. The king of the north will have no respect for the small g gods of his ancestors or for the god loved by women or for any other god. And these are all little g gods, by the way. For he will boast that he is greater than them all. Instead of these, he will worship the god of fortresses, a god his ancestors never knew, Allah maybe, and lavish on him gold and silver and precious stones and expensive gifts. Claiming his foreign god's help, he will attack the strongest fort, excuse me, strongest fortresses, for he will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward. Wow. Hebrew uh, there means the great um, price or um, at a price. Verse 40, then at the time of the end, see, we're not at the time of the end yet. We've got all these things have to happen before the time of the end. But he says, then at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north. So it's back and forth, back and forth. Now the king of the north, the big bully who thinks he's God, will be attacked by the king of the south. The king of the north will storm out with chariots and charioteers and a vast army or navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood. He will also enter the glorious land of Israel, and many nations will fall, but Moab, Edom, and the best part of Ammon, that's Jordan, will escape. He will conquer many countries, and even Egypt shall or will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, the silver, and the treasures of Egypt. That's really interesting. 
and the Libyans and the Ethiopians will be his servants. You see, the king of the south rules over that whole tier on the southern shore of the Mediterranean. And they will submit to him and be his servants. It says so right there. Verse 44, But then news out of the east or from the east and the north will alarm him. Now that would be, I'm guessing, China, India, Pakistan, and Russia, and probably Turkey as well. And he will set out in a great anger, or in great anger, to destroy and obliterate many. He will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and pitch his royal tents. But when he is there, his time will suddenly run out and no one will help him. Wow. It's the end of him, I guess. Chapter 12. The time of the end is the subcaption there. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise, and there will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. doesn't say they're alive burning in hell. It says they'll awake and suffer shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. That's what's happening today. That's where that scripture is being fulfilled right there. At least the many part is starting. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was, and this is probably the Euphrates River, by the way, uh, asked the one who was standing above the river, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen who was standing above the river, raised both of his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times, and half a time. And most scholars think that's three and a half years, apparently. When the shattering of the holy people... What? The shattering of the holy people? Sounds like whoever is going to invade Israel is going to win this, this round. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. You see, the Israelis are not yet shattered. There's so many things that have to happen yet. Verse 8, I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. 
So I asked, How will all this finally end, my lord? But he said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified. Well, see, you, you know what that says to me is that we'll have to live to see th- all of these things come to fulfillment in order to uh, be revealed. It's secret until it happens. Many will be purified and cleansed, but refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Wow. From the time of the daily sacrifice is, well, from the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest in death, and then the end, at the end of uh, d- the days, you will rise again to receive your inheritance, the one set aside for you. And that's the end of the book of Daniel. So, folks, from this, you can r- easily see that we've got a ways to go yet. So, it's not quite time yet. God's not delaying anything. It's going to be happening when it's supposed to. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can go to my website. There's nothing for sale. No ads. We'll never try to get your email. But you can email me, if you want to, to jesusisy at gmail.com. The website is itellwhy.com. That's I, the letter I, tell, T-E-L-L-Y-W-H-Y.com. There's videos, there's audios, there's books to read that I've written, and Am I right? I'd like for you to tell me if I'm not right. Read those books. There's some on heaven and hell and the rapture and the kingdom and just all kinds of stuff. So until next time, I hope you have a good life and a good day. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in today to Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm Albert Hardy.